Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. Let's get into the Word. Um, this was the, the phrase that I literally got during worship just then. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for this morning because there's uh, a genuine redemption happening. And it's so funny. I was talking to Pastor Dan just this morning. Um, this word that I'm about to share was actually inspired by a prophetic word I got from Pastor Phil Pringle. He literally prophesied over me, called me out at a meeting, thousands of people there, and just began to read my mail and speak over my life. And he said something that bothered me because I had no idea what he meant. And then I began to Google and God. See, Google and God can take you some interesting places, you know what I mean? And, um, and he shares this word. And then he said, the sons of Korah stand in the temple and they bake fresh bread. Sounds deep, but I was like, what? <laughs> Who the heck is Korah and what bread are they baking? You know what I mean? And it better not be that gluten-free rubbish. You know what I'm saying? I'm sorry if that's you. You know, I'll be praying for you. Um, but I started to look at their life, and this word about a redemption song came up. And, uh, and then, you know, if I have any basketball fans in the room, I was just watching that documentary called The Redeem Team that just came out, but you know, uh, the USA basketball team had had a monopoly on Olympic basketball for a number of years. And then we got cocky and we got arrogant. And then, you know, Lithuania and Spain and all these other countries started to get really good at basketball. And so we had fallen from grace from the dream team of Michael Jordan's basketball. And there was a series of Olympics that followed where we were a laughing stock of the Olympic sports world because supposedly the basketball superpower now couldn't even get second place. And so there was this next group called the Redeem Team. And they had one mission, to get back what had been stolen from them. And it's this whole story of Kobe Bryant and his life because he was really a player that had had a massive fall from grace. But a player that had a fall from grace helped restore life in a team that had fallen from grace. And it's just a cool story. And when I look at this room and what I feel in the spirit and from the little bit I've heard this new season for you guys, it's, there's a redemption here. There's a redemption of what God wants to do in this house. You know, and it's not just what's happened here. We've seen it globally in the pandemic. We saw so many churches are just clawing back. I was at, uh, you know, we just, you know, we're doing the whole touristy thing and walking through the city. We literally walked like 30 minutes just to get to the Hard Rock Cafe only to find out it's shut. But then how sad was it to walk through that entire shopping mall and to see more stores closed than are opened? And that's like the pinnacle, you know, that Darling Harbor area is like the spot for the city. Isn't that interesting? That the place 
that was once a badge of pride for Sydney has now more doors closed than are opened. And I feel like prophetically that's been a picture of what's happened in the body of Christ. And even what I've seen in New South Wales is that it's almost like a redemption needs to occur. And sadly, more doors have closed. Not just physically, but spiritually. Out of fear, out of apathy, out of uh, just concern. People that were once on fire and passionate for God are now kind of on flight mode, just trying to conserve battery power. Not connecting, not downloading anything, not giving anything out. You know, just trying to hold on to the little bit of battery life they have. And that's what's happened in our church world. But God wants to redeem some things this morning and today. I say this boldly, but I say this confidently that we're going to wake this thing up and we're going to see this top balcony filled in the name of Jesus. See, here, here's, here, here's my question. Here's my question, guys. Have, have we gotten comfortable being comfortable? Have, have we lost our agitation? Are we bothered when we walk in this room because we are burning to see souls saved? Are we hungry to see a region transformed? Or are we on maintenance mode? Right? You know, it's, it's, it's like we've, yeah, I'm literally digressing, but there is this thing, you know, it's like I, on one hand, it's cool, you know, everything in our world, there's an eco mode, there's a power save mode, there's, there's maintenance, there's, there's different modes, and isn't it amazing that we think it sometimes is a new feature to live with half of your ability? Like, hear me, I'm all about saving the environment, so please don't be mad at me if, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, that's not what this is about. But think about it. There was a day when you would purchase something with the purpose of seeing it at full power. Like, I'm, I bought this thing, and I want to turn it all the way on. I want to see every rev, every engine, every RPM. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to see this. I want to put my foot on the gas, and I want to go. You know what I'm saying? And, and, but, you know, now we live in this world where it's, we're more about conserving energy than pouring it out to see the lost saved and transformed. And I declare prophetically in the name of Jesus that it is the end of power save mode for this house in Jesus' name. That C3 New Hope will be a house that is obsessed with transforming lives, that is obsessed with seeing souls saved, that is obsessed that we will literally physically become agitated when we do not see God divinely waking us up into our full purpose. Do I got an amen in the house? Is that okay? Am I, am I, so I might be kicking up a little bit of dust this morning, but I'm so excited. Listen, please send all complaints to dan.warren at C3. Okay, um, but let's actually get into some scripture. Psalms 84, verse 10, NIV, says, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. 
I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield, and the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. And this is where Pastor Phil's prophecy made sense. You know those little footnotes in the scriptures where, you know, it'll be like, this was written by King David to the tune of skipping among the lilies. You know what I mean? Like it says this random information that we don't exactly know what to do with. And it actually said that this psalm was written by the sons of Korah. This psalm is a redemption song when you understand who they were and the life they lived. So do I have any like history geeks in here? Like you love, you just nerd out on facts and information. Do I have anybody? Come on, come on. And anyone in here? Make, make, make some noise right now. You know, can we, can, we dig, can we dig into the word really quickly? Let's go on a trip to Israel real quick. And we need to understand who the sons of Korah were for this verse to hit home a little bit more. See, the sons of Korah were Levites from the tribe of Levi. Fair enough. And Levi was one of those 12 sons. And then Levi had three sons. His sons were Gershon, Merari, and Kohath. And these three sons became the three main families of the tribe of Levi. And we know that the Levites, they were like the tribe that helped prepare the temple. The Levites were the ones that helped prepare everyone else to experience God. The Levites were the one who worked a little bit harder, did things a little bit different. And even the word of God says that when all the other tribes got land and physical things as their inheritance, God steps in and he went to the tribe of Levi and he, he said, I myself will be your inheritance, right? So the, the tribe of Levi, it's a big deal. Shout out to everyone who comes early, who stays late, who set ups, who pack downs. Shout out to pro presenter and the lights, and the media, and the sound. Shout out to the Stacking Chairs ministry, you know what I mean? Shout out to our amazing kids team that is looking after our children who was in the parking lot. Come on, can we make some noise for those people? Because I'm telling you, that's a Levite. That is a Levite, that tribe, that is a Levite. And here's what happens. You had three sons that became three families. They became the Kohathites, the Gershonites, and the Merari. I love that how you could just take a name, add it on it, and that just became like a whole people group. You know what I mean? That's just, just random. But here's the interesting thing. The Merarite clan, their job was to carry all the poles and bases of the temple when they would set it up and pack it down. They provided the structure. The Gershonites carried the leather and the coverings and the skins that actually would lay on the structure to actually create walls and to create boundaries. And they were the packaging and they were the presentation. They were the creativity, the, all the uniqueness that came into the house. But you needed the structure to actually be able to have something to lay all that on. But then you had the Kohathites. These guys were responsible for the care of the sanctuary. They were responsible for the care of the ark, the table, the lampstand, the altars. Everything used in the sanctuary, everything used in worship was the Kohathite's job. And here's the unique thing. Out of the three families, the Kohathites had to carry everything by hand. 
That's why you saw them always carrying the ark. See, the Gershonites and the Merarites, they got to use Uber donkey. You know what I'm saying? But the Kohathites had to carry everything by hand because of the sacredness of what they carried. And right here, I got to pause for a second because some of you have been frustrated because it seems like you've had to carry a harder journey than most. And God's here to remind you of the sacredness of what you carry. To whom much is given, much is required. And some of you are frustrated with God because you're like, God, why does it seem so hard? Why has it been an uphill battle? Everyone else is just rolling. Imagine 40 years wandering in a desert, setting up camp, taking it down, setting up camp, taking it down. The Gershonites, boom, they've got the poles, the bases, and they're just rolling it along on carts and donkeys. The Merarites, they got their skins and they're just throwing it on animals and everything. And then here goes the Kohathites, just going for it. 40 years, carrying everything, carrying everything, holding it. They can't use anything. See, that's actually why a priest died in David's day when he was trying to bring the ark back because he carried it wrong. Remember when David was trying to bring the ark back into Israel and they put it on a cart? See, they did not listen to how God had asked them to carry it and somebody died. And then later on after Obed-Edom's family got blessed, they carried it properly. See, there's an anointing that's being relearned in this house on how to carry things different. You, you carry a different anointing. That's why this season makes so much sense for you guys, because of what you carry, and you carry it different, and do not apologize. It's unique, and it will be carried different, but a different carrying is how there will be a different move of God in this house and in this season. So right now, I literally, I feel the spirit of God right now. So somebody in this room, you're, you're about to get healing because you've despised how you've had to carry things. And you need to be reminded of the sacredness of the call of God on your life. God is going to bring redemption back to your journey in Jesus' name. But some people don't always appreciate the additional load. And there was a buddy by the name of Korah, who was the grandson of Kohath, who decided to do a little thing called a revolt. And remember in the Old Testament, revolts weren't like, a, you know, complaining at, at an AGM meeting. They were slightly different, you know what I mean? Korah says, hey, Moses, why do you get to lead us? We're working so hard here. We're carrying all this stuff. We set up, we come early, we stay late. What the heck is going on? Why do we have to go through all this? I feel like we're just as anointed as you. What's the big deal? Why do you get special? Like all this kind of stuff. And he sets up a whole rebellion and God says, hold my poodle. Watch what I'm about to do. You know what I'm saying? And literally over Korah, his family, his kids, his every, his literally their whole tent and over everyone that sided with them, it says the ground itself opened up, swallowed them all, meeting adjourned. God was not playing with people that were trying to attack his anointing. 
it was a dip. So hear me, thank God for grace. But some of us need to be careful how we complain. Some of us need to be careful of how, hear me, hear me. I'm so glad we are not in the Old Testament. Can I get an amen, please? Lord Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Can you imagine, like, you're just driving down the neighborhood, there's just a crater, you know what I mean? Oh, that was Linda's house, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, she, she complained about the anointing, yeah, you know, you better watch out. Like, can you imagine? Thank God it's not like that today. But please be careful and do a stock take of your mouth when you wonder why maybe God's not moving in your life like you want him to. Be careful how you speak about the anointing of how you talk about the move of God or moves of God, full stop. You know, like, like we've got enough people complaining about moves of God in New South Wales and not enough people being the move of God. You see what I'm saying? So anyways, random little tidbit for you. But here's the thing. If Korah's whole family was swallowed up in judgment because he decided a stage of rebellion against Moses... How generations later do we have a psalm written by the sons of Korah? Ponder that as I inconspicuously drink this water real quick. (laughs) You ever thought about that? Because here's the cool thing. In God's grace, he never ends the anointing and legacy on someone's life. In his grace, there's always protection and covering. And there were some sons of Korah that survived. You know, I imagine, you know, they were out playing in the field, you know. You know, all those kids that never hear the announcement bell when it's time to come in. You know, they're just still out there in the field. Like, there's like five kids that are still outside right now that didn't leave from Friday. You know what I mean? They're just still out there playing. Like, they didn't get the memo. You know what I'm saying? And I believe that there was, all, there was probably, you know, the day Korah's rebellion started, there was always like, please, can all the sons of Korah please report to the tabernacle? Please, can all the family of Korah please report to the tabernacle? And, and probably there was like a bunch of boys playing against the tribe of Benjamin, and they were just going for it. You know what I mean? The tribe of Judah. Was keeping score, and the whole thing was going down, and they didn't hear the memo, and they literally walked back home, and there's a crater where their whole neighborhood used to be. But let that sink in. Can you imagine being a survivor and the stigma and shame that would have come with that? Oh, yeah, there goes those sons of Korah right there. Isn't it interesting how sometimes we can be defined? by the mistakes of our family and by things we've even done. And some people can never see you for the work of God in you because they only see the work that you did on yourself. And I truly believe that the sons of Korah survived and God formed something in these boys because they would have had to live through generations of... They go right there, that's them, that's them. But they didn't get bitter. They got better. But today, in this room, some people, you feel like you're a son of Korah. See, I was born into a divorced home where my dad left my mom when I was a baby, but my dad didn't know how to be a dad because my dad's dad took his life on my dad's 16th birthday. So I came from generations of pain and brokenness 
My stepfather, who my mom married when I was six, truly did step in and pay some bills that needed to be paid, and I honor blended families because that is a work of God. But my stepfather struggled to show emotion because my stepfather's father was a Baptist minister and a military sergeant. It don't get more uptight than that, you know what I'm saying? Like, the only thing worse than Baptist is military, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's... That's it, you know what I mean? And so the whole point is he struggled to understand love. And so I had a biological father who was physically distant and I had a Christian stepfather now who was emotionally distant. And both of their shortcomings boiled down into me. So I lived in pain and a lot of my journey was because I was a son of Korah. Some of you in this room, your dad's name is Cora. But also, some of you in this room, you were Cora. And you feel caught up in the shame of your mistakes. You feel haunted by the time you feel you've lost. You feel frustrated by the moments you feel you've missed. You get agitated by the window of opportunity you feel has closed. You see that clock and it doesn't motivate you, it aggravates you. And there's people in this room, God wants to set you free from disappointment and frustration in yourself today. But look at your neighbor right now and say, I am. Just look at some, look right now, just say, I am number seven. Say that, that was good practice. One more time, say, I am number seven. See, I literally thought about renaming the whole message, I am number seven, and I'll explain why. We understand in scripture, every seven years, you were supposed to rest your soil. The land was supposed to rest every seven years. And then every seven, seven years was what they would call the year of Jubilee. Depending on which Hebrew theologian you subscribe to, they actually say either 2023 or 2024 is literally the next Jubilee year that is actually coming according to the original Hebrew calendar. So either way, exciting stuff is coming. People are about to be set free. Because the cool thing about a Jubilee year is that it was redemption year. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and Hebrew culture everything could be loaned only in 50-year intervals. You never truly bought something. You only got it until the next Jubilee year. So if you sold something to someone, it was theirs until the next Jubilee year. Then it came back to you. So guess what? Even if you made a bad deal, if you made a bad trade, if you got swindled out of something, guess what? Come the next Jubilee year, everything came back to you. All debts were reset. Everything was rebalanced. All scales were readjusted. And so in Hebrew culture, God built it into their financial structure that come a Jubilee year, everything had to be returned back to you. Everything that was stolen from you, everything that was done wrong, any slave had to be set free in a Jubilee year. I love that God put a divine reset button in culture. So even though we all here are citizens or residents of this amazing land, guess what? We still operate according to the kingdom of God because we are citizens of the children of heaven before we are citizens of anywhere else. Yeah, come on, can we celebrate God about that? See? 
Because that's going to be another, that, that's another thing that's going to be, that, that, that's going to set this, this house free, is sometimes we keep looking at the move of God through the lens of our culture, instead of looking at our culture through the lens of the move of God. You know what I'm saying? And so in this moment, a jubilee year is when everything's canceled. And here's the cool thing that happened. And this is why I love God and I love to geek out on stuff like this. Seven generations later, a prophet by the name of Samuel was from the lineage of Korah. As the team joins me right now, seven generations later, David's mighty warriors, a whole group of them were the sons of Korah. Seven generations later, David's cheap worshipers in his temple were sons of Korah. Seven generations later, they became the doorkeepers and the custodians of Solomon's temple. Seven generations later is when everything resets. See, what do we see here? Number one, guys, God does not disqualify you from destiny. Just so you know, my ministry pedigree to be in front of you right now, I failed Bible college twice. Did 13 months in a drug rehab. I'm alive because of a place called the Los Angeles Dream Center. Because of two pastors in Arizona that bought an abandoned hospital in downtown LA and allowed it to be a home for the most broken people. And that is where I did rehab. They gave me a scholarship to Bible college where I met my amazing wife. And then from there, God literally handballed me into Kingdom City, an amazing move of God where I walked into Kingdom City not believing in church, but I believed in God. And Kingdom City taught me how to believe in the bride of Christ. Everything I am is a redemption story. God does not disqualify you from destiny. God can make beautiful out of your broken. Like what, what can God do with your story? Literally one of the most expensive forms of Japanese pottery is where they fuse broken pieces of pottery together with gold and it's more desirable than the original stuff. What? A beautiful stained glass window, if you've ever seen one, is a collection of broken, shattered pieces. But when you allow a craftsman to put it all back together and you allow his light to shine through it, what can God do? What story can he tell? How can he redeem the sons and daughters? And God not only fixes guys, but he makes better. And you know what's exciting for me? Next week, I'm flying home to America and I'm doing my dad's wedding because his life is being redeemed because he sees the work of God in his son's life. The same son he helped break, God is now using me to help fix the generations that came before me. That is what redemption looks like. So again, imagine this. Let's go back to Psalms 84, and now it hits different. See, this is what should excite you when you understand the beauty of the Word of God. Imagine the sons of Korah, who seven generations ago, their ancestors started a rebellion against the house of God. 
who seven generations ago, he despised the move of God. And now seven generations later, they're leaders, they're warriors and worshipers in the name of Jesus. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.